Hi, everybody. Great to see you. I hope you're all doing okay. Um, so we are back in the book of Acts this morning. Um, we are, we've got to chapter five. Um, Kaz did such a great job last week um, looking at the section about how the community were sharing together so that there was no one who was in need amongst them. So we're gradually building up this picture of this amazing gathering of God's people who are um, experiencing the power and the presence of God. Uh, there's huge challenges. They're starting to be persecuted. Um, but also there's some amazing things happening amongst them. And there's this amazing developing sense of community, of being there for one another, of sharing what they've got so that we got to the point last week where there are no needy people amongst them. And what a massive challenge that was to us. And I Cass did such a great job of sharing that and bringing it to us last week. And it kind of goes right to the heart, doesn't it, of, of, um, of our culture. But we continue with another challenging passage this week. So uh, there's this amazing sense that God is building his people and yet, uh, and it's exciting. And yet it's also incredibly daunting as we look at the picture of what God is doing. And so we're now in Acts 5 and it's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And in many ways, I guess it would be easier if this section of the Bible wasn't there. Do you ever get to sections of the Bible where you think, um, I don't know what to do with this. This is weird, but, but this is part of God's word. And so we want to pray this morning that God speaks to us and challenges us through it as well. So let me read um, Acts 5 verses 1 to 11. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. So this is also he, he did the same thing as Barnabas had done. That was in the previous few verses. Barnabas had sold some land and brought the money to the apostles. So Ananias, with his wife's full knowledge, kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit? and have kept for yourself some of the money that you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Not surprising. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So what has happened here with Ananias and Sapphira, just like Barnabas, they've sold some land, they brought the money to the apostles. And it seems that the essence of the issue here is this. It wasn't the full amount that they received for the land, but they made out that it was the full amount. So essentially they're wanting to appear more righteous than in fact they were. 
saying, if you like, that one thing is going on in their lives when in fact, in reality, behind closed doors, there's something quite different. So it's kind of a case of hypocrisy at the heart of the matter of faking it, if you like. They were turning up to the meetings, they were being part of this gathered of people with amazing things going on, singing the songs, going through the motions, but actually in the secret place, not walking in obedience with Jesus in the hidden parts of life. So please note on the way in that this is not about what Ananias and Sapphira were giving. Peter emphasized, doesn't he, that that Ananias had complete freedom in that regard. He could, he didn't, the money belonged to him, the land belonged to him, the money belonged to him. It was at his disposal to do with what he wanted. Um, So it'd be easy to miss the point here. Peter is not distressed that he didn't have more money at his disposal um, for the early church. In fact, I guess Ananias and Sapphira might have been quite generous in financial terms, but the heart of the matter as ever in these things, in the things of God, I guess, is the matter of the heart of them pretending to be more godly than in fact they are. And I think there's three really interesting clues that kind of help us to pick apart what is going on here. And the first is this, the first is the parallel with the story of um, Achan in the Old Testament. So in the book of Joshua, you remember that um, as the people of God had gone into the promised land and the first place that they had to do battle was um, was the city of Jericho. And there was this whole procedure where they went around the city and and God said to them, well, when you take over this city of Jericho, you you are to destroy it completely and all the things that all, all the valuable things that you find in this city are to be devoted to me. And I don't know if you remember the story of Achan. Um, Let me read Joshua uh, chapter seven, verse one. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. So the things that they found in this in the city of Jericho, Achan took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. And the word uh, for what Achan took there, that verb to take is the same verb uh, that is used of Ananias, that, that he kept back some of the money so it seems that readers are kind of meant to make this parallel with with what happened um in the book of joshua so you in both cases you've got this newly formed community of god's people god's special possession rescued set apart for him and their righteousness their distinctiveness from the the people around was fundamental to what god wanted to do with them and interestingly of course in both cases what Um, what is going on in the heart, what is going on in the secret place with one individual uh, affects the whole community. That's what happens um, with Israel in the book of Joshua. In the after after Achan's sin, then the army is routed in the next uh, battle, the, uh, the battle for Ai. And as with Ananias and Sapphira, God removed ruthlessly Achan from amongst his people. So there's a parallel with that story there. The second clue is this, that the Greek word for church, the the, the assembly of God's people in verse 11 here in Acts 5, is the first time that this word for church has been used um, in the book of Acts. So it says in verse 11, great fear seized the whole church. And what we see in this passage is that there's something Um, significant and special about what God is doing with his church. He's gathering this distinct people for his purposes uh, that he might reach the world. This is going to be his vehicle for reaching the communities around. And it is not just any old 
people, there's something distinctive and significant and very important about being part of, about being included in this, this, this body of God's people and how you steward, the Bible is saying, how you steward, how you look after your interactions with this community, how you take care of your part in this community, how you, how you value that. Um, that is uh, very significant. It's not that perfection is required. It's not that everyone has suddenly has to be perfect, but taking seriously what God is up to in building this community and forming it for his purpose, that uh, is serious. This is where God will fulfill his plans to reach lost people and to reach the world. And we are not to make a mockery of that. The third clue is this, and that is the, the significance of relationship with the Holy Spirit. So when Peter is talking to Ananias and Sapphira, he points out that it's the Holy Spirit that they've offended. So the church is Jesus's body. We know that the temple of the Holy Spirit is God's community and the church is the place where he dwells by his spirit. He lives amongst us. He is full of love and compassion and mercy and grace. We know that, but the Bible is saying we're not to make the mistake of being casual about what God is doing with his church. So in verse three, it says that Ananias has lied to the Holy Spirit. And in verse nine, Sapphira has conspired to test the Holy Spirit. It's not so important what, what, um, what our behaviors we're presenting, what it looks like is going on in our, in our lives. But what's key here, God is saying, is our own individual relationships with the Holy Spirit, our own walk with God and uh, the state of our own hearts, if you like, before God. There was something that was out of kilter in the lives of Ananias and Sapphira um, that, in terms of what they were presenting, what it looked like was going on, but what was happening in the secret place. There was something different between those two. I think it's important to say at this point that oh my goodness, this is such a difficult passage to kind of get, get to grips with. Uh, particularly, I, I mean, I've got, you know, I don't know why God dealt with this in the way that he did. Why is the consequence of this, this sin quite so severe and dealt with in this way? I, I have to confess, I, you know, I don't, I don't like it when I come up to it. Why isn't Peter more full of compassion, especially given his recent journey, you know, um, I don't know that, but I know that the result of this is a really healthy fear of God and what he is doing amongst his people. And maybe we should be thankful that God doesn't seem to be dealing with us in quite the same way right now. And maybe there's something in Acts about him, his first establishment of, of the community of his people. But I want to say to us this morning, <clears throat> excuse me, let's not be complacent as a result. There's a, a verse in Romans 11 that I came across this week that I, I don't remember ever seeing before, but this is so, I love this. Cons this is a Romans 11 verse 22. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. There's both sides, isn't there? There's his kindness, but also there's a seriousness about who God is and about being holy and uh, having that those short accounts with, with the Holy Spirit. Sternness to those who fell, it says, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. And it re reminded me of John 15, where it talks about us abiding in Jesus. David mentioned it in the prayer meeting this morning, and it's just stuck with me that that call to abide in Jesus, 
that uh, and and there's that seriousness if we do not bear fruit then the, the um, any branch that does not bear fruit the, the bible says will be cut off so what is god doing in our moment in the church's history uh, you know <clears throat> joshua verse chapter 7 acts chapter 5 these are significant moments where god, god is doing something with his holy people his special possession uh, and he deals ruthlessly with sin amongst them. And I guess all through history, there are these moments in the church's history where uh, the blueprint of what God is doing must be remembered and restored. And I think it's important for us to, to remember in this moment that we're in that, you know, the, the God's plan for the church and the, and the significance and the seriousness of that plan, that the church is the vehicle that he will use to reach the world, that hasn't changed. And God will use all sorts of events and circumstances to ensure that the church, this central point of all of history, is, is ready and equipped and in the right shape for the purposes that he has for it. Sin, compromise within the church is a disaster for its mission. I guess that's the message of, of AI, isn't it? And the routing of, of the people of God at AI. And maybe I think historically we've often been more keen to point out sin outside the church than to deal with it inside the church. Right now, for sure, God is shaking and pruning his church, isn't he? We, we've been saying that a lot lately, that we're being gathered, reminded, purified, prepared. And undoubtedly, I guess that process will result in some falling away. We don't want that to happen. We pray that it won't happen. But the Bible says in Hebrews 10, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There's a seriousness about being part of God's people. And I believe that these are days for examining our hearts. As I said before, it's not about being perfect. God is a God of grace and mercy and we come to him. But we need to keep short accounts with him. And we need to be those who regularly examine our hearts and see what is going on um, within ourselves this is not a time for going through the motions of being part of God's people going along with the the external behaviors if we're not walking in integrity with the Holy Spirit day by day and so there's a massive challenge to us I think in this that we should examine our hearts and make sure that what we're saying with our words and the things that we're, our, our outward actions look like that they are not out of step with what's going on in our hearts and where, where we are in our walk with Jesus that our outward behaviors match the secret place of our heart and you know there's so many things about our lives that that we don't see into one another's lives isn't it so many you know um the way we are in our homes the way we speak to our spouses and our kids our browsing histories the things that we watch on telly the attitudes that car we carry in our hearts towards those in our workplaces or in our church or uh, and we need the holy spirit to speak to us that we might have these short accounts, that we might be real before God, that we might be walking with him every day, repenting, examining our hearts, um, making sure that what is going on within us matches up to what we're professing with our mouths. Remember, there's, this, there's freedom in the body of Christ. We are, there, there is forgiveness for sin. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. This is not about following rules. But God is preparing his church to be and for us to see the things that he has always intended through us. Amen. These are significant days for the church. God is preparing his bride. 
And I think, you know, these exciting days for the church, but they're slightly scary maybe as well in that um, there's a seriousness to what God is doing. And I believe there's a call to us to examine our hearts in the same way that there was um, in the book of Acts. So I'm going to finish there. I'd love us just to come before God, um, just in silence for a minute, just as we uh, take an opportunity to examine our own hearts this morning. And as we reflect on the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and just to say, God, is there anything today that you want to point out in us? Lord, where we're not walking with you in the way that we should, is there any sin, any secret compromise in our own lives that you want to point out to us? Lord, I Lord, I, I just want to invite all of us to come before God right now and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Lord, we worship you and we honour you and we recognise that you're a holy God and that you are doing an incredible thing and your purposes in the church, in this amazing body of people that you've gathered, they, they haven't changed since the book of Acts, Lord. And there's things in our day that you're wanting to do and that you're wanting to prepare us for. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us in these days to examine our hearts, to have short accounts with you, to come quickly to confess our sin before you. Lord, to come to you daily and allow you to cleanse us and put us right, Lord, and to prepare us for all that you have for us in the days ahead. Lord, would you pour out your spirit on your church? Lord, would there be a right fear in us of God, of almighty God, and what he wants to do with us in these days? Amen. Psalm 85 verse 9, let me just finish with this. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him that his glory may dwell in our land. And that's our prayer, isn't it, in these days? Amen.